So working together around the customer for me is, is just obvious, but in reality, it's not the case in a lot of companies. It's the same funnel. You're working as a company on the same funnel. Growth, for example, is about working together. You cannot realize growth only as a sales team or only as a marketing team. Welcome to the Revenue Discussion Podcast. This podcast aims to inspire and educate the newest generation of revenue leaders on various subjects related to sales, marketing, revenue operations, and customer success. Every week, we invite an inspirational guest to the show that is willing to share his or her insight, strategies, and tactics that has worked or are still working for him or her. Today, we invited Kurt Gerdbrecht to the show. Kurt has more than 25 years of experience in revenue-generating activities, and recently, he took the jump to co-found Marquis, a commercial services agency to help companies level up their game. And what I personally like about Marquis is that Kurt has been a sales director for many years and his co-founder has been a CMO for many years. So because of that, Marquis don't look it from one lens or the other. From the start, they align marketing and sales. And you will see that this is a topic that Kurt likes to talk about. Enjoy this episode. Good afternoon, Kurt. And thank you for making time for the show. How are you doing? Fine. Thank you very much. Uh, hi, Dylan. Hi, Martin. <laughs> Hello. Good afternoon. All right. Kurt, um, I am aware that you are uh, the co-founder and CEO of Marquis, but could you, play, could you please tell the audience uh, what exactly it is what you do? Um, we founded Marquis uh, six months ago and uh, uh, with, with the aim of helping companies grow um, and, and even accelerate their existing growth. So that is, uh, that is the aim, focusing on, on one specific element in the beginning, and, and that is the fact that we are convinced that people active in uh, the SME world in Belgium have talents, uh, have a lot of experience, etc. Uh, so the idea and the challenge is to use the talents, to use the experience, uh, and then to uh, to move forward and to uh, to realize growth. That's the idea of Marquis. All right. So mostly focused on SMEs. Mostly focused on, on SMEs, but 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 if tomorrow a big corporate wants to know more about Marquis and doing business with us, why not? Yeah, I'm, I'm just asking because I can imagine that the way of working, I mean, with an SME versus a big corporate enterprise, multinational, whatever, it kind of is different, I suppose. No, in terms, especially in terms of, you know, marketing and sales. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think corporates today, they are organized uh, well or not well, but they are organized. Huh? They, <laughs> they have an hierarchy of, uh, of people, sales director level, marketing director level, etc. This is not always the case in an SME. In an SME, it's often the owner uh, who is managing, for example, sales uh, and helped being held by somebody, uh, sometimes even externally, uh, oh, yeah. to, do, to do some marketing. So I think from an organization point of view, it's a complete different ballgame, corporate world uh, and, uh, and SME world. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And do you feel that uh, the alignment of marketing and sales is less good, I would say, in SMEs and in um, big corporates? I don't think that, that, that there is a difference between, uh, between SMEs uh, and, um, and corporates on, on sales and marketing alignment. I think for me, it's a kind of state of mind, uh, everything what is linked to, uh, to alignment. Uh, because basically, the objectives are the same. It's, for example, if your objective, objective of a company uh, whether it be an SME or, an, or a corporate, is growth, 
then the objective is basically at the end, bottom line, it's the same. It's realizing more business than you do today. Uh, but it's and... not a natural thing for them to to have the same goals or same KPIs in mind and work towards that. I mean, of no. course, at a high no. level, they have the same ambition, but the, the way it's extrapolated towards the uh, the external world, it, it, it's not always... Yeah, I, th I think you, you, you have a point. Um... And probably there are different things and different reasons why today it is, for me, it's a perception uh, in, in the first place. Because looking from the perspective of a consumer, of a custom, potential customer, what he or she wants is alignment. She wants or he wants a perfect experience throughout the whole buyer journey or customer journey. That's what a customer today wants. So when they look to a company, they look, they look at it in that way. Please provide me in my buying process the same experience as is my customer process, for example. So it's a little bit weird today that still a lot of companies from the other way around, if you look to the other way around of, 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 uh, of the issue, uh, that they say, but we are not working together. Huh? Sorry, marketing and sales. That's, uh, there is marketing and there is sales. And we have our own <laughs> objectives. That's, that's weird today, especially taking into account that uh, the last 24 months, we as consumers, our standards, they really went up. We want more uh, companies uh, uh, to, be, to be aligned with what we see as buying mm -hmm. and, 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 and a customer process. So working together around the customer, for me, is, is just obvious. But in reality, it's not the case. In a because lot what, is, what is the, the actual problem, actually, for the customer uh, from the buyer point of view? What is the problem when marketing and sales are not aligned? Just let's give an example on, on buyer journey level. Uh, you are a potential customer. Uh, marketing is trying to do something special to, uh, for example, get you in the buyer journey. If sales is not aware of what marketing is doing, you have an issue. If, for example, sales is expecting leads and there is no alignment on what is the definition of a sales qualified lead, you have an issue. So, and, and this is more and more customers are feeling that. When is the exact moment that I will be contacted by sales, for example? Um, if there is no alignment, customers will feel that there is a little problem. Uh, and this is just an example. It, it, the same with, with, uh, uh, with customer retention, for example. Um, when you see that there is alignment on buyer journey level, it's not always the case on customer journey level. Just to give another example for, for that one, uh, one of the main focuses of a lot of companies just after the very beginning of the pandemic was retention. We need to retain our customers mm -hmm. because that's, that's, let me call it this way, quite easy instead of immediately focusing on acquiring new customers. But then again, no alignment. How are we going to do that? What is the kind of content that we need to share, for example, to keep our customers? What is the role of sales? What is the role of marketing? What is the role of customer service? So again, alignment is, uh, is crucial yeah. because basically in the end, it's the same funnel. You're working as a company on the same funnel, whether it be the buyer funnel or the, the, the customer who is trying to do some yeah, upsell is. or upsell. Some, some call the it the marketing funnel, some others call it the sales funnel, but in the end, it's the exact, exact same funnel we're talking <laughs> we should, about. Yeah, it, yeah, it's the same. I, wa I want to come back later on the, uh, on the retention aspect, uh, the retention story that you, that you uh, just uh, told us. Uh, but before doing that, you know, the sales and marketing alignment 
how do you then go um, you know, with your client and see how you can actually optimize the alignment? Is it more about you know, the organizational structure, the way they, they report within the company, the processes? What do you look at when, uh, when you want to optimize that? In, in the first place, uh, I look at people, or we look at people, because it, it begins okay. at the top. It begins at, imagine that there is a marketing and a sales director or a marketing manager, a sales manager, whatever. Are they aligned? Do they, between brackets, like each other? Do they have the same objectives? What is the role of the CEO or the owner linked to the role of marketing and sales? Uh, when I started so clear working definition Sodexo, of responsibilities and... Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Right. When I started working at Sodexo, it was uh, end 17. 2017 in the recruitment process uh, i was recruited to be the, the future sales director there was already a marketing director in place the marketing director had a kind of veto saying if if we are not aligned if we if i feel there is no magic no chemistry between us it will be difficult to work really work uh together so she or he had a veto at that moment and in the beginning, you say, mm, this is strange. But afterwards, I said, but this is, this is really, this is amazing. Because there you already set the standard. What do we want to do here is align marketing and sales, because that's the force that we will put uh, also on, uh, on the market to acquire customers, to retain customers, uh, and to do upselling and cross-selling. And was that something that came out of the company itself, that they yeah. wanted to have the alignment? Yeah. Or was it more uh, the personal manager that said, I need this? It, it was the CEO uh, at that moment that took that decision, but I think it was a very, a very wise one. And was that for you the moment that you saw also the importance of marketing alignment, marketing sales alignment? Uh, not at that moment, but when we started working together afterwards, and uh, we saw the difference, uh, for example, after six months, after one year, on results, on the way our teams were working together, then I said, but this is just this is just fantastic what is uh, what is happening and again it starts with the top huh? it starts with you with me are we aligned uh, are we are we saying the same are we thinking the same etc are we acting uh, towards our team in the same manner yeah and i think communication within the team i mean the internal communication in there is is important is key to to have a, a good idea from both sides of what is being expected from each other. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think we have probably today more examples of uh, marketing and sales teams arguing than than teams that are aligned. Than, than our and, aligned. And it's, yeah, yeah, and, and and basically, it's it's maybe more funny to discuss people that argue with each other than to discuss people that have success because they work together. But maybe that's that's linked to the the human being. Yeah. We like to see the, ne the negative side of things uh, <laughs> instead of looking at the positive side of things. But what is then the, the, the actual problem, do you think? Is it also some kind of ego that's in the way? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think prob probably it's, it's a kind of historical evolution. Uh, who was the king? Who has been the king or the queen in the company for years? It was always sales. I would say so. 10, 20 years ago, it was sales. There was only one voice that really had some interesting feedback from the market, and that was sales. Maybe customer service, but in the very beginning, it was sales. 
So maybe mm-hmm. we had a kind of status, I don't know, uh, <laughs> where, where that gave us a kind of power in the company um, uh, towards, uh, towards other departments, towards customer service, towards uh, uh, marketing, etc. Maybe there is some, I don't know, uh, grounds where, where things start getting, uh, getting wrong. And yeah, for, well, I, uh, yeah, I'll say just and for, for to solve then this ego, this ego problem between the marketing and sales, how would you then concretely like, like attack that? How would you be able to solve this ego problem and make them work together? Uh, a very interesting exercise. Uh, what always works is doing the mapping of the buyer and the customer journey together. Not only marketing and sales, but including, for example, also customer service, including, for example, also the finance department. Because what is the definition of a good customer? It's the one that pays his bills also. That's the definition of a good customer. So and if you do an exercise where you map out and where you explain to each other, guys and girls, this is what our customers is doing throughout the buying process. This is what he or she is doing when he is or she is uh, an actual customer. And what are we realizing or not uh, as, as a kind of positive emotions or negative emotions? And how can we work together afterwards? The insights that you bring up by doing these kind of exercises is, is really great. Uh, and if you, if you include the team leaders of the different, uh, of the different uh, stakeholders, uh, so marketing, sales, etc. Yeah, what we experienced since the past is that they start looking at each other. So, okay, I, th- I think we need to work together, guys. <laughs> uh, b- because uh, this is a major opportunity uh, to, uh, 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 to do more business, for example, to have loyal, more loyal it customers is. and things like that. Yeah. So it do is. this. This is, this is a, not a difficult exercise. It's it just uh, mapping out what a customer today, 22, is doing to become customer with your company. Uh-huh. All right, so you have indeed a better definition of each one's responsibilities just coming together and you know try to map the customer journey and see how you can work there together but that's i suppose more for the people that you know are managing a team i mean of course it depends what what's the size of the organization but i can imagine that if you are in a big corporate a big enterprise and you have you know uh, large teams working uh, in marketing, large teams working in sales, it's maybe hard to bring everyone together. And so from that moment on, it will be most probably the managers having that kind of brainstorm together. But how can they then also, you know, have the whole team um, keep that same vision and same yeah, aligned vision, I should say? No. I don't think it's the responsibility, big teams, small teams. I don't think it's a responsibility of the team leaders to do that exercise. They have a certain knowledge, I agree, but the real knowledge is in the heads and the minds of those who are doing it every day. So I think the information, the valuable information, for example, of somebody working uh, from nine to five in customer service is probably more inspiring and interesting to hear than the information of a team leader. I agree. And I I don't say that that the team leader doesn't have good information, but it's not that practical and not that, how we call it, realistic let me call it that way and and based on what customers really say really giving as as a kind of feedback so i would encourage companies indeed to do it at and i don't want to be negative and to do it at the lowest level possible in the organization but but that that's there 
where the real information uh, uh, is. Yeah, that's at, at the end, that's where the contact with the customer is happening. Absolutely. I think Absolutely. it's a great point. Great point. Yeah. All right, so let's maybe just talk a little bit more about you, Kurt, because we, we deep-dived immediately towards, uh, I mean, inside uh, the marketing and sales alignment story. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, let's talk about your history. Maybe can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, what you studied and what you did immediately after, after you studied? Uh, a good one. Um, I've uh, done a master in uh, communication sciences uh, from uh, 91 to 96. And it was uh, one, yeah, nine, nine, one, nine, just, just to be, to, to be sure that <laughs> we understand each other. Uh, at the Free University of Brussels, um, it, was, it was really an incredible time um, because uh, I, I had so much your... fun. Yeah, what were you? Um, yeah, how were how were you um, when you look at you know your ambitions and what you could do with your life? Were you the one that would like to travel around the world to, while having a job, or were you know do you want to be the the CI, the CEO eventually? Or I had no clue. I had <laughs> a really good clue what I wanted to study. So I think it was already mm. in the fifth year that I said, okay, communication science is something that uh, that is really uh, that, that is yeah touching me in a kind of way. So I, I would love to do that. So I started. Why that. was that? Because uh, I don't know. It, it touched a little bit everything: uh, media, politics, sociology, and things like that. So kind of broad, uh, with without fixing. Uh, if you if you study for, for being a doctor, you're going to be a doctor. That's not the case when you study communication sciences. And, and one of the then... major. Sorry. Why did you make the switch to, to sales? Why did you then choose sales in the end? <laughs> it's a good one. It's, I, I was, uh, I think it was in the uh, in my last year. It was in my last year indeed. Uh, and by the way, I doubled my first year because I had so much fun the first year that I decided to do it twice. Um, no, that's that, that's a joke. But I did it twice. Yeah, indeed. Um, what was really, uh, it was the end of, uh, of my f fourth year, yes, uh, that I started looking at uh, some ads in the newspaper. Because back in 1996, it's quite, quite some time ago, there was no internet, there was no uh, things like, let, let, me, let me look for some jobs. So it was in the newspaper. It was a company called Infotrade that was looking for a telesales rep. Oh, yeah, that's done on Bradstreet mm. now. Is it yeah, that? indeed, absolutely. That's that. Bre that's that funny Bradstreet because when, when I went on your, link, your on your LinkedIn, I saw that on Bradstreet, and I was immediately thinking of the online database of all the companies. But now I'm realizing that in 1996, you pro that was probably when the internet started to come up. So it wasn't probably that absolutely. that uh, you were selling back then. <laughs> No, Infotrade was selling financial information, um, like uh, Trends is doing today, for example, uh, and still Dun & Bradstreet is doing and, uh, and great online companies like that. But it was also selling direct marketing information. So if you need all, uh, for example, uh, plumbers in Belgium to, uh, to send a mailing, you could uh, you took, uh, uh, rent them or uh, buy them at, at Infotrade. But uh, just to come back to, uh, uh, to that uh, decision, uh, they asked for somebody who was, if I'm not wrong, 25 plus and with experience. I wasn't 25 and I had no experience. But I said, hmm, the job description is really triggering me. So I will, uh, I'm going to send my CV. So, and, and I did that. Uh, and to my surprise, I was invited. So awesome. 
Okay, a L- little bit nervous to go to uh, uh, Groot Bijgaarden uh, uh, almost 25 years ago. And um, the uh, managing director uh, said, okay, uh, let, let, let's, start, uh, let's start the conversation. First question, uh, are you 25? Uh, no. <laughs> like that's the most uh, do important question. Do you have question. experience? Yeah. yeah. Do you have experience? No. What are you doing here? Because in the ad, we said that you needed experience and the, you, you could, in, in, in the past, you could discriminate on age in the past. And you are, <laughs> you are in 25. Uh, and I was a little bit uh, uh, shocking, I guess, on, the, on my chair. And I said, but why did you invite me? And then the conversation uh, came loose and we had a, a very good conversation. And uh, two months later, I started with uh, working at Infotrade uh, <laughs> as a tele sales rep. So... Uh, so I think we missed some part of the story there because first he said you you better leave the the place because you don't uh, qualify it, the the ad, and then you just said uh, why did you invite me and then it was all fine. It, it was it was just to test me to test me uh, is this guy uh, yeah is he stress uh, uh, and, and can he handle yeah. stress yeah, is he stress resistant uh, and we had a, a conversation of course of an hour. Um, but but the fact that he, he tried to do that in in that way, uh, yeah, that's something that I will uh, I will never forget. Of course, <laughs> I can imagine, especially when it's your first job. Is that Absolutely. a technique that you uh, that you took over for your own? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no. no, not at all, not at all. No. So telesales was was uh, my very um, first, let me call it, experience with with sales, and uh, for me. It was a very, very good school. Uh, being a tailor sales is, is uh, doing sales with yeah, some handicaps, huh? because uh, you yeah. can influence a conversation with your words. You can influence a conversation with the intonation that you use, or with the way you're, you're pronouncing uh, uh, your sentences and words. But you don't have the body language part. You cannot see what your counter- counterpart is, uh, is reacting on, uh, on what you're saying. So it was a very, very good school, a little bit the American way. Um, <laughs> just to give an example, uh, Monday morning, 7.30, it was video training. So video training? You bet, yeah, video training. So you better went to sleep uh, quite early uh, Sunday evening, because otherwise uh, it was really a tough Monday morning. All right. But in, in the end, it was, it was tough. It was very disciplined, etc. But uh, I uh, I learned a lot of uh, of doing. Can sales. imagine. Yeah. And then three years Absolutely. later, you uh, you moved to uh, to Van Ganswinkel. Yeah. Indeed. How was Waste your experience there? Business. Um, it was a whole other business. You can imagine, huh? from uh, data, mm-hmm. clean data to waste. Uh, and I've worked there for almost uh, almost fourteen years. In, uh, in different roles, different commercial roles. It was really a ride. It was an experience because at that time, we're speaking about uh, the end uh, of the 90s, beginning of, uh, of uh, the year 2000, where everything linked to waste became really a topic in, uh, in society. It was about uh, uh, sorting waste uh, and things like that, stop mm. uh, uh, using incinerators and things like that. So the relevancy 
on societal level was was really picking up and it's still the case to, today yeah? uh, uh, absolutely did you feel the and, impact of that on the business absolutely yeah, I suppose you did. In, in fact legal the legal framework framework was driving the business <laughs> because on, on on the on the first hand you had some taxes going up uh, pushing people to sort more waste for example uh, on the other hand recyclers recycling was uh, was booming uh, where a waste stream uh, for example became some something that was really interesting to sort out paper cardboard uh, metal uh, and things like that which was pr probably in the past not uh, really the case uh, yeah, because so, can, you, can you tell me what was it exactly that you were selling then was it the service or was it more yeah, the, no, it the product the to make it happen okay it, it, it was the service collecting uh, uh, waste of uh, different types of, uh, of companies and even going to the fact that for certain companies big producers of waste that we outsource people uh, we, we explain to a company your core business for example is producing I don't know what products uh, uh, or whatever our core business is uh, managing your waste problem. So we even outsourced people. Uh, so, so it was it was a kind of yeah, solution selling, conceptual selling, uh, right. that, uh, the early days of, uh, of that. Yeah. Well, really helped. Yeah. And also, like, it seems like two different environments that you had to work in, of course. But now let's jump to your newest adventure. Uh, like you said six months ago, you decided to start your own team. And I think like a lot of people have experienced that at the beginning of Corona, they'll think like, is what I'm doing right now really what I want to do? Was it also the case with you, which is new adventure you're on? Did it have an uh, Did it have like an impact on you deciding to go your own way with uh, Marquis? In fact, not at all. I didn't have really in mind the Corona thing uh, when I decided to uh, to found Marquise together with uh, uh, with Hans. Not at all. Um, maybe on the contrary, because what we are, what we are telling, and that's what I explained in the beginning, is that there is an opportunity today because the expectations of consumers are going up. So there is an opportunity today to be. A, to be even more aligned between marketing, sales, and, and customer service, etc., to transform uh, your business. Uh, so, so it strengthened us to uh, to jump into this uh, into this adventure. Can you give us a concrete example of of uh, you know customers expecting more and the business that needs to align with that? Uh, just take one example. You, uh, Corona arrived uh, in March 2020. Uh, imagine that you are a customer that had never really the experience of buying online. And then all of a sudden, you were all almost pushed to, uh, yeah, uh, to, uh, to acquire yeah. online, e even for your basic food, uh, uh, for example. Uh, when I see here in the village uh, or uh, uh, bakery, for example, decided to move, I don't know, I think it, it was within 20 days, completely online. And then I said, but th this is great. And I saw a lot of companies not doing at all uh, mm -hmm. such kind of initi initiatives. Um, but it forced, I think the, the, the pandemic forced a lot of people thinking out of the box from 
a company perspective, but also from a human being perspective. How am I going to foresee in my basic needs if I don't want to order online? Hmm, not easy. So that, that kind of evolution took place the last couple of years. Um, and, and, and reinforcing, for example, the fact that delivery, if I order today something, delivery to, tomorrow is normal. No questions asked. I don't want True. it next week. I want it today. So these are things that, that uh, have a lot of impact on the Belgian SMEs, where a lot of SMEs want to do that transformation and want to offer it, but still have no clue, how do I start with such a thing? I have an offline business going very well, but how do I start to do an online business? Right. How do I combine the both? Best That's of both when Marquis comes in. Uh, for example. <laughs> awesome. Earlier, you said something about customer retention being much easier than attracting new customers. And I want to I wanna go uh, and deep dive on that, on that statement. Um, because I remember also in college, uh, you know, they always told us that acquiring new customer costs seven times more than keeping existing ones. Um, but, you know, what are strategies that you can implement um, easily, maybe, uh, to, to, to really retain more of your customer? Or what should you focus more on? Because, you know, you, you also have now the, um, the fancier term for customer service, customer success. And I see that there is also being heavily invested in. Is that also something that you see happening or do you have other strategies for a better customer retention? I think you have a lot of possibilities uh, that, uh, that you can leverage on, but what you need to fix in the first place is the basics. And the basics start with what you promise when you acquire new customers. Uh, I think it's, okay. it's, uh, it's a common understanding that uh, in the acquisition phase, a lot of companies I'm not going to say that they exaggerate, but they promise the moon. They like to overpromise, yeah. Yeah, indeed. To and then when the you, we, we, exactly, exactly. When you onboard, th that is where the magic happens. A real customer, a real loyal customer, will start to being loyal from the onboarding part. So make sure that what you promise in your acquisition phase, that you immediately. Uh, deliver upon it in your onboarding phase that you give the customer the experience that you promised so I think that's that's it's not an easy one but it's a really important one uh, secondly that's the moment where a customer will see is there alignment between the acquisition team and the customer success team or whatever it's in the name mm -hmm. the customer care team is there alignment but we do do i need to explain uh, a lot of things again uh, just to to give that example uh, another thing what is important in uh, customer retention is uh, and that's the reason why i said in the very beginning map out your customer journey also next to your uh, your buyer journey because in a lot of companies the, the, the times that I have really contact with a company is when they send me the invoice. <laughs> yeah, that's not uh, ideal. Yeah, if, if you don't have an issue, you have no need to, to contact, but I will never uh, uh, have the opportunity, for example, to, to uh, buy something new from you. So take me also in a customer journey 
where you can inspire me, motivate me, etc., to be loyal, to engage, to interact, and to buy more. Um, so that's that's another another example. What is not really, uh, and I'm I'm not going to say that that's not the case on corporate level. I think a lot of corporates try to put these things in place uh, because they saw that uh, uh, indeed when you have a large customer base, you better try to stick to that customer base uh, <laughs> in, instead of uh, spending a lot of money on uh, on acquiring new one. Yeah, definitely. Are you also a big believer of uh, over-delivering every single time? Oh, I think it's it's an ambitious uh, it's ambitious to say that that the, the standard must be over delivering. I think if if your basics are right, and if you try to improve each time some small steps, then that's already a fantastic beginning. So for me, over delivering is 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 made, you you cannot always over deliver. I, I agree with that. I think it's a hard thing to to do. But if I link that to what you said earlier of, you know, having a right expectation management, I think it's, is it maybe then an idea to, you know, promise less, but what you promise should be over the top well, and then maybe add some extra stuff that you could have maybe promised in the beginning, but you didn't, so that you can now over deliver. Is that maybe an idea that could work or? Yeah, I think these stay for me theoretical approaches because and why am i saying that in fact it's it's in a lot of cases people working together with people people doing business with other people i can have a bad day you can have a bad day but <laughs> if, if i have the ambition to to deliver something really awesome and i'm having a bad day and it doesn't work how i i, I want that it work w will you be mad at me do you understand what i mean it's, mm -hmm. it's people trying to do business with people. So let, let, let's just be realistic. Emotions are there. Yeah, <laughs> they are absolutely. involved in, of course. Absolutely. It's never going to be streamlined yeah. and, uh, as you no. wish. No, of course. No, absolutely not. No. Because then All you're right. promising the moon, the moon again. Yeah, well, let's, let's not do that. But let's uh, <laughs> at least uh, you know, do very well what we promise. <laughs> absolutely. Let's maybe move on to you know, what's... Um, is for you, I mean, what are your ambitions at the moment? What are you, you know, hoping to realize in the coming five years? What do you want to be in five years? Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Um, we started six months ago. So the, the journey that we have ahead of us is, I hope, a long one. Uh, so we are uh, in a stage where indeed we are discovering what our real part, our real journey is in, uh, in the upcoming months and, and, and years. What is clear for me is that the reason why we started Marquise was a good one, and it is it is confirmed every day. So there is a lot of things to do in the SME markets in in Belgium, and probably also in uh, in the whole of Europe. So I think I would be very proud within five years, for example, to be recognized like a kind of uh, reference when it comes to growing your business in uh, in SME, um, and and yeah, that that we are really the kind of uh, inspirational uh, company that helps every SME um, and not only the good ones or the best or, or whatever. No, no, every SME giving them the necessary frameworks, etc., to move on with uh, with their business. I would be very proud to realize uh, that uh, that milestone. Like that. Yeah. 
And that's within the European market then? Yeah, we started in Belgium. We are looking with, uh, uh, I'm looking with, with my partner to see what the opportunities are in, uh, in, in Holland uh, today. Uh, and of course, the north of France, given the fact that uh, uh, we all speak a little bit French in Belgium because we are uh, we went through, uh, through school with a second langu language as French. So why not uh, working, for example, and doing some business in, in the north of France? Yeah. And if you talk to the SMEs itself, what do they see as their problem? Because I can I can I can assume that when you when they come to you, they don't come to you with oh, our problem is sales and marketing alignment. What do they explain as their problem? Uh, in in the first place, and that's what I explained. Huh? Uh, an owner of a company, he has different hats. Uh, CEO, uh, he has to has to be the the most innovative one. It's the the boss of sales. It's the boss of the HR department, for example. So one of the main reasons is guys, I don't have all the expertise and the knowledge, for example, to boost my growth. I need help. Or for example, and that's uh, that's also a story that we see uh, a lot of times popping up. We are doing the same for the last fifteen years, and it has always worked. And since a couple of months, it's not working anymore. What is happening? So they don't know really the answer. And again, then you can, for example, go back to the strategic part. Is your strategy still the right one? What do you think about digital? Do you still want to work the way you, you always uh, you always work? Do you want to, to shift, for example, uh, to, uh, to do something else? Um, so it starts with the owner discussing with the owner what he really wants. Also, like, like you did, Dylan, what is your vision and mission, uh, for example, for, uh, for the next uh, uh, three to five years? What do you want okay. to accomplish as a person, but also as a company? I like that because it also gives you a lot of flexibility or, or room, I could say, in which, in which you can work and, and brainstorm and strategize and you know, just do amazing stuff. I like that. We, we, had, we had a discussion uh, recently with uh, the owner of a company who said, uh, within three years, I would love to free up one day a week to do something else. Oh, wow. To do something else for myself. That, that's huge. But if you want to set up on growth, for example, and you don't take into account that this is something really important for that person, you're completely messing up. So combining what you personally want to do as an owner of a company and linking that to your business, yeah, that, that, that's, that's, that's great, something like that. Yeah, I can imagine not always as easy though, especially uh, no. if someone comes with, uh, with the ambition of freeing him or her for uh, a day in the week. I mean, I guess if you uh, help the company exceeds their uh, their targets their sales targets they will have even more work <laughs> so you, ha you yeah, really have to because actually that's the thing it's it's not only a marketing and sales uh you know project it's more of a general business strategy and implementation uh, solution that you ha kind of have to uh, to develop right yeah. and the people one and the people one because and one of the want. things that you need to put in place is okay imagine that it will be one day in, within two years, maybe it will be two days, then you have to put in place an organization that is possible uh, of, of uh, having that as, a, as a something in, in, in your head. You need to make sure that your organization will move on 
even when you as a company owner are not there. Very true. Now, have you ever had um, any mentors in your in your 20 to 30 sales career? I'm not quite sure how long it was. But have you ever had any mentors that, you know, helped you to see yeah. sales or maybe business management through another lens? Uh, yes, I had. Um, and it's it has been since the very beginning uh, the same. You remember when I started at Infotrade, that guy <laughs> that uh, asked me the question if I was 25 <laughs> and had experience, that same guy is still my mentor. Really? We're oh, seeing wow. each other uh, every three months. We take lunch. We I can discuss with him private and professional business, everything. Uh, he knows a lot of me. Um, but I really look forward to that kind of discussions uh, with him. So he probably knows more uh, from me than uh, than a lot of people that I, <laughs> that I know in my in my family. That's so uh, funny. But so uh, you never yeah, you never yeah, lost he's still, touch. He's still my mentor. Yes, no. 25 years mentor no. easily. And yeah. all mm -hmm. right, so the, the, the day that you kind of had to leave the company uh, and had to leave to work for him was kind of a bummer then for him, no? Yeah, I, I remember that he explained me afterwards. It's always <laughs> the same with, uh, with those people that I recruit coming from university. I train them, <laughs> I make them strong, and then they leave. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Making that, you feel guilty. Yeah, that's what he said. Uh, I think the first time that I, I, I saw him back after leaving uh, after leaving Infotrade. Um, but he, he's a friend uh, today, uh, mentor, uh, and I think I can recommend this to everybody, sales or not sales. I think that's not important. If you're in business, uh, I think it's it's really awesome to have somebody that you can talk to openly. Uh, not always. You don't need always answers. Just the opportunity to have some time to reflect, to think mm. about uh, things. And, and one of his uh, uh, um, competences is that he, he just asks me questions. <laughs> so he, he's not yeah. giving the answers, of course. Uh, but that gives me the, the opportunity to think about uh, some stuff and then say, okay, yeah, you're right. I should have done it that way or the other way yeah. or, or things like that. Yeah. I think at yeah. the end, most of the times, you know the answer already Absolutely. it's just more uh, You're right as, just as like you said you just need to reflect just come with the answer yourself even yeah. though you had it already in you yeah. and uh but I, I i agree i think uh martin and i can also confirm that we also have a couple of mentors and sometimes we have some more direct mentors people that you know just say speak the truth other that uh help to re to help us reflect more but i can also confirm that yeah. It helps. Yeah, and, and you you learn things from a mentor also. One of the things that, uh, um, when I said a little bit earlier, video training at 7.30 on Monday morning, I'm not doing that with my people. I've never done that. But the fact, and that's what I, what I learned, is train your people. And I think today, 22, more than ever, skill, reskill, upskill your people. Because otherwise, you will, you will have an issue. And th that's one learning, uh, young, old, no matter what, invest in training, please. And now you're talking about membership, uh, mentor membership, mentorship. Uh, are you yourself also a mentor to other people? And do you like being a mentor? 
Um, I like to help people. Um, absolutely. Um, am I officially mentor of some people? I don't think so. But um, I have the idea that some of my friends, some of my contacts, uh, for example, in my network, uh, come to me to yeah, pitch some ideas or, or things like that. Uh, and, and it's something that, uh, that I really like doing. Yeah, helping people. Let's move on now to uh, to the last section, which is more about you know the future of sales and where we're going with maybe not sales, maybe more marketing and sales, the revenue department in general. What's your vision on you know the future of the revenue organization? How will this evolve? Um, if if you work together uh, in a company, um, probably questions will be asked at a certain moment in time. How are we going to organize this? Because, uh, uh, by, by the way, the fact that you call these podcasts revenue podcasts, podcasts is, I think, it's it's fantastic. Because <laughs> now, but it, it's it's just the opposite of thinking in silos. It, it's indeed about revenue growth. For example, is about working together. You cannot realize growth only as a sales team or only as a marketing team. So what I see today in, in uh, uh, different organizations on corporate level, but also the bigger uh, SMEs, for example, is that uh, they try to put in place, for example, an organization with a commercial director heading a team. And then you have three sub-teams. You have, for example, an acquisition team. But in that acquisition team, you have, a, you have people like uh, sales reps, marketing people, uh, maybe uh, a little bit further, also customer care people. You have a retention team with uh, basically the same uh, um, same kind of people, but with under competencies because retention is not acquisition right? mm -hmm. uh, in, in terms of tools uh, uh, and things like that, strategy. Okay. And you have uh, a third kind of team is a team who is uh, working, for example, on uh, cross-sell, upsell strategies uh, uh, and things like that. So okay. this is a model... I guess in the future, that uh, that will pop up. I guess more and more in the market. Try to organize your team linked on different uh, ambitions that you have. Is it acquisition? Is it retention? Is it cross and upselling? Uh, and uh, try to staff it with people having experience in uh, in that area. Yeah, I'm also very curious how this will evolve with um, indeed the whole revenue department because I, I already see. You know, the change within the sales team where you have now the, the traditional SDR, BDM, then goes to the account executives and then you have the account management, yeah. I mean, the account managers. And then and they also they talk now about chief revenue officer as the, you know, main commercial person. I think in Belgium we'll still uh, use commercial director as a more yeah. uh, current title. But uh, I'm also very curious to find out how they will link marketing and sales and Will there also be kind of a, a job title of someone that will just be in charge of the alignment? I think there, there exists already something such as revenue operations, which is kind of, you know, trying to combine the data that comes from marketing to sales. But will there be something else or is that the purpose of the commercial director? Do you have maybe some, some idea or some point of view on that? Yeah, commercial effectiveness is, uh, is, is maybe an interesting uh, uh, 
words of combination of words to think about because it's how can you improve effectiveness of, of uh, for example, your growth strategy or your revenue strategy. Uh, one of the major ingredients, and that's maybe uh, the reason why corporate is a little bit uh, evolving a little bit faster than uh, the SME market, is data. Working together is one thing. Working together based on metrics, based on good, valuable insights and data is, is really fun to do. Because then you're really, yeah, but I, I think that's in a lot of companies not the case. Huh? Uh, uh, okay, we work together, but, be, but we're working based on what kind of insights are we working together. Um, right. And, uh, and maybe in that perspective, commercial effectiveness uh, or sales enablement is another uh, sales enablement team. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, for example, you, I think you hear a lot of terminology being used today in, uh, in, in commercial teams. Uh, no. no, definitely. Yeah, I like what you say there about the use of data. Although I've, I mean, from own experience, I've seen also data being misused in the sense that, but that's maybe just an alignment issue, but they had, you know, marketing and sales. They, were, they wanted to, work, to break out the silos, but marketing and sales had different types of KPIs on which they were, you know, being, uh, being accounted for. And so because of that, um, even though they had that main KPI that, you know, was the same for marketing and sales, because they had also the other KPIs that were still kind of different, it just didn't work. But that's maybe the more high level alignment that needs to happen first. And then yeah, data happens after that. Th that's also a learning curve that you need to go through. Um, I remember when we first, uh, it was also in, in the Sodexo time, when we first tried to put in place a marketing dashboard, so sales and marketing, a marketing dashboard, okay. that the first two or three versions, uh, we deleted them. Because it, it, it felt not right, we, we didn't have the, the necessary insights, uh, actionable insights to, uh, to move on. Uh, so we, we just started over again. Uh, because it's it's an important one. Uh, one example for, uh, is is uh, uh, really striking. A lot of companies today, uh, especially corporates, one hesitates to give marketing more responsibility in, for example, uh, managing an existing customer base. Uh, it has always been the sales team that managed the customer base, isn't it? It's the key account manager, the account manager, whatever. Um, but yes. you can, for example, if you have B2B customers, I don't know, 50,000 B2B customers, of which there are uh, 45,000 uh, really SME customers, for example, why not let marketing manage this, uh, this customer base instead of sales? I think sure. these are questions that probably will be asked more and more in the future, because it is possible to do that in an automated way, uh, that you can manage uh, these uh, large kind of customer bases. Yeah, I think I think the question that pops up then in my head is what is really the purpose of sales? Is it then, you know, I, I guess when you say that marketing can enter into the game is because marketing can nurture and help to educate the existing clients, but then sales would be the people, I mean, the go-to people if they really want to, you know, make a deal or, or make something happen and they just need that extra help. Is that how you look at it as well? Yeah, I think the function of sales uh, probably has to be reinvented uh, because uh, the more time is uh, is going is going forward, the more marketing is gaining power 
on tools, on data, on insights, etc. Uh, so uh, we were uh, 10, 20 years ago, the kings and the queens. We need to be very careful that uh, uh, <laughs> within five years, there are no sales anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's that's an interesting debate, uh, honestly. It's definitely something I, I, I'm also thinking myself. Will it really disappear? I don't think so. But no. I think it will be more involved into complex sales environments where, you know, it just cannot be automated or just it's not a template or it needs to be uh, custom-made. And no. then you need to have that one-on-one -on -one contact with the salesperson. We used to say that everybody in the company is a sales body, um, but I think more and more sales also need to be uh, more up to speed when it comes to the role of marketing. Uh, how do you generate leads, for example? How do you, uh, uh, these are things that a lot of salespeople they, they are even not interested in in these kind of things. Uh, so, and that's a pity because it's a real opportunity uh, to. Uh, uh, to, again, to work together and to uh, uh, to grow your business together. Yeah, you, you make a very strong point. I mean, marketeers are salespeople, but salespeople are also marketeers. And in, Absolutely. I mean, of course, you you more focused on the one than the other, but you still have to have knowledge of uh, of both yeah. responsibilities. Absolutely. What's your yeah, um, in, a, in a social selling times where everybody has LinkedIn profile uh, generating leads? Indeed, it's. Uh, yeah. Maybe uh, something that we didn't cover about uh, marketing and sales alignment is the account-based marketing approach. Is that um, what? What are you? You know, are you a big fan of that? Or I think it's what people uh, are asking more and more is uh, having personalized uh, uh, content uh, to try to between brackets convince you to buy. Uh, products or services. So I think it's uh, it's the way to go if uh, if you want to uh, to do business in uh, in the future. Um, I've done some uh, some training lately, some sales training for uh, for some companies. And uh, if you're explaining, for example, uh, to a sales rep that the good old times of uh, drinking a coffee and doing uh, 50 kilometers uh, to do so without a real purpose i don't think that will exist uh, it will exist in a more in the future uh, save that energy use that money for example to work together and to personalize an offer uh, or a, a campaign together with your marketing colleagues to make sure that you can name for example a bottle of champagne or a glass of champagne when <laughs> you're doing business uh, and, and then a lot of people salespeople are saying yeah but within a couple of months we will do exactly the same what we've already done huh? We will do three visits a, a day, for example, and one is a coffee at existing customers, and two are some prospection. But that that won't happen. That won't happen. Yeah, I'm not imagine that sure. you're a sales director. That you're a sales director. Are you going to allow that your team members, for example, will do instead of six qualitative calls, three real life visits? Uh, I don't think so. Especially I now, because so everybody's used to working from a distance like hey, you've yeah. done it for two years you're not going back to do the old ways no. yeah and i think i think it's even also from the customer side also i mean of course it's nice to have uh i mean you know to have a little chat or anything and, and just 
you know, spend some time with another person. But I mean, they also see time as uh, something scarce. Absolutely. So they also don't just want to waste it like that. I mean, you, you kind of have to be a friend. Otherwise, you know, just have that real, that real quick call and we'll see if it makes sense. If it makes sense, we continue. Otherwise, uh, see you next time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, completely agree. All right. Well, Kurt, uh, Thank you very much. I think we come to the end of the podcast. We covered a lot of interesting topics going from sales and marketing alignment to, you know, your story with Marquis and, you know, how you started within sales. Um, we also deep dived into how retention is uh, kind of super important and, you know, some strategies on how to work on that. Then we also went uh, and discussed on your vision of the future of sales which actually we, uh, we looped back to the marketing and sales alignment story, but then maybe more yep. from an organization point of view. Uh, I thought it was a super interesting story. But Kurt, where can people find you? <laughs> Just go to our, to our website, eh? uh, uh, marquise.be. Uh, marquise you, can, you can fix, uh, you can fix uh, a coffee moment with uh, Hans or myself if you want to. So, All right. <laughs> thank you very much for having me. It was uh, it was really fun discussing sales and the future of sales together. And before you will let you go, we have one last question. It's always a question we end on on every podcast. The question is, Kurt, if if Kurt was a brand, where would it stand for? It probably would stand for uh, alignment, working together, align people. I think it would stand for that. I think this uh, sum up the, the podcast very well. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Kurt, for being on the show. Thank you very much. Speak to you. Bye. All right. Bye.